It's finally here. Bigger, faster, stronger. It's time to put on the pads. Faster, quicker, more agile. And make some noise. Just level. Wow. Your defending AFC South champion, Houston Texans, are back for training camp. 15-yard touchdown run for Deshaun Watson. Welcome to Texans Training Camp Live. Your sideline pass to everything that's going on with your Houston Texans. Texans Training Camp Live is presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors. And by Geico and Papa John's Houston. Now, let's go down to the Houston Methodist Training Center. Here are your hosts, Mark Vandermeer and John Harris. Football is back. We are at the Houston Methodist Training Center. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you. And it is a beautiful sight. These fields ready for action as the Texans embark on training camp number 18. Number 18 for me personally, Johnny, you've been around here long enough. Thirteenth, thirteenth. Figured out today. I'm one. I'm one fewer than Jonathan Joseph. I saw Joe yesterday, and I was like, 14, honey. He goes, been a long time. Yeah, it's my thirteenth. So I'm one short of him. He, well, yeah. So you and I doing this our sixth together. He's had some of these with the Bengals, by the yeah, way. That's, that's where right. he started his career. It doesn't feel like it anymore because he's such an embedded Texan. But yeah, 14th season for J. Joe and you and I. Yes, yeah, sixth season doing these shows together. And what a pleasure it is to be out here in Houston. Training camp back in Houston. First public practice, not for a week. So we're going to give you whatever we can of the action, the activity you see today or will see today at the Houston Methodist Training Center as the Texans embark on another camp, another season. We look forward to this day, and we all do, from the time the season ends to right now because it starts. Football begins two weeks from tonight. The Texans will take on the Green Bay Packers in preseason game number one at Lambeau Field. That will follow a couple of practices with the Packers that week in Green Bay. We're looking forward to that visit, and we will be live from there as well. So we're going to take you to the first couple of weeks of camp in this slot right here with a lot of player reaction, the feelings of the players, the head coach Bill O'Brien, all of it. You'll be hearing all of it from 8 to 10 a.m. And, of course, the guys from Sports Radio 610, you just heard Seth and Sean, and they'll be broadcasting from out here as well. They're not making the trip to Green Bay, but they'll be out here for the first couple of weeks. And also uh, the midday program, known as In the Loop, will be broadcasting from camp as well. So, Johnny, here we go, and let's start it off with Hot Reads as we bring you what is going on at training camp. Hot Reads number one. I know there are a lot of little stories we'll get to, and they're not so little. We'll see how little they turn out to be. But the <laughs> biggest one is camp back in Houston. For the first time in three years, 2016 was the last time training camp was held at this facility. And things have changed a lot, of course, in that time. And you brought it up last night. Now, I'm going to change your number because I will add Watt and Hopkins, even though they're on PUP to start camp. Okay. So it, the number is 15. You've identified that 15 players, that's it, yeah, remain from that 2016 camp, yeah, just just 15. You can, I, yeah, no, obviously they'll they'll be here. They're just not practicing. At least they're they're in the building and they're going to be doing, Watt and Hopkins doing what they need to do. Uh, you know, obviously JD will come at some point. He would be another one. But the the point is, in just two years, the roster turns over so quickly, and so. I, I did that for the Texans. I just did that exercise for the Texans. And I know some people go, oh, man, what, what does that say about the Texans? I think that's the case for all NFL teams. I think it's that way. One of the things I always look at a media guy, Mark, is how they were built. 
there's always a page in the media guide for all teams' media guides or, you know, we have the weekly releases. They always put in there how the team was built. Yep. And it shows drafted guys that were free agents, guys that were street free agents, guys that were added as undrafted free agents. They, they show that. And most of the time, it starts, for the, for the bulk of it, starts maybe three or four years out. So it's not unusual. But because we've been gone for two years, I guess you could say, at the start of training camp, because we did come back after two weeks last year, and then we had the 49ers here, starting it back again in Houston, I, it just kind of reverts me back to all those years of, of covering the team, us doing this out here uh, you know, for the first few years. Look, West Virginia was, was awesome. We, we would love doing that show. Because off in the distance, you saw these beautiful mountains, and you saw the Greenbrier, what a beautiful facility it was. But this is home. It this is home. This is our home. Yeah. This is – it's our team in our home. You don't have to pack. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. Didn't, have to, didn't have to rush to pack. Yeah. I remember last year, I flew out a day early, and I flew into North Carolina with my kids because my kids were going to stay with me because they love West Virginia. So my son Jack and I were talking about it last night. We went out to dinner, and I was like, you realize this year, this time last year, we were driving to the Greenbrier. He goes, oh. Yeah, exactly. he, he loved. They loved it. They absolutely loved it. Well, I think it, the so. players liked it, too. They liked the, the weather. But, boy, right. it's beautiful today. And this is a great little this cold nice. front they're getting in. And, uh, cold it's, front. We, yeah, it is. It's it a cold is. Front. I know. I know. It's a cold it's front. It's going to be 90. a cold front. It's going to be 90, but it'll be a nice, cool 90, Johnny. So there. And we're looking forward to seeing what they do today. They're not going to be at pads for a couple of days. So uh, this won't look quite like an OTA. And always interesting to find out how soon they get into some of the situational stuff because I love watching that stuff at camp when they give you third and ten and you're down four, you're up or whatever because they have to rehearse that kind of stuff. Those situations come up all the time in games. you got to be ready for the choreography involved. All right, let's get to the next hot read. Justin Reed. NFI, that's non-football injury. That means, uh, you know, he just suffered a car accident. He tweeted that out over the weekend, and he's okay, and okay could mean a lot of different things. Right, right. But whenever you suffer an injury of any kind away from the facility, you weren't under team supervision, whether it's a car accident or you're working out, you pulled a hand, whatever it is, you have to be placed on this list at the start of camp because – it's very important. It's collectively bargained. It affects possible contract scenarios, compensation, whatever. Yep. So he's on that list. I just saw him in the building. I mean, I think yeah. uh, I can't play Dr. Vandermeer here. I think Bill O'Brien would say something like, it's not life-threatening, <laughs> something of that nature. I think Justin yeah. Reed's going to have a real nice so-called sophomore season after a real productive rookie season. So. Yeah. Uh, that, that's my personal assessment of the situation, that there's not a ton to worry about here. But, hey, let's just get him out here on the field before uh, we declare anything done. Well, think about a, year's, a year ago. We're looking at a defense, and we're like, oh, you know, Tyron Matthew, Kareem Jackson, you know, those guys at safety. And, hey, we got Justin Reed, and you know, we'll see what we get from Justin Reed. Right. Flash forward to today, and we're like, Justin Reed is one of the most important, not, o- not only one of the most it's important true. defensive players on this team, one of the mm-hmm. most important players yeah. on this team. So hopefully it's a procedural thing. Look, he was already coming back from a wrist injury. Right. So he had had the cast on. He had had cast on for a while. He was taped up pretty heavily during the end of the season. And then he played in J.J. Watt's softball classic with a, with a cast on his wrist and was swinging the bat one-handed and made one hell of a catch out center field. This guy is multi-talented. But as he tweeted out the other day, he had a car accident. And the thing is, 
it could have been a whole heck of a lot worse. And that's that's the thing to keep in mind. It could, of course. This, I mean, can you imagine waking up and finding out, oh, my gosh, Justin Reed had a car accident. This is horrible. Look what's happened. But luckily, he was okay. He walked away from it. I saw him in the cafeteria a couple of days ago. You know, he looked fine. Again, Dr. Van, Dr. Vandermeer and Harris, you know, yes. we're on the radio so we can play doctor, I Fake guess. Doctor. But hopefully he's going to be okay. But this is hopefully a procedural cautionary thing that they've got to do to satisfy whatever, um, you know, the PUP listings, the NFI listings are. And I don't know if Bill O'Brien will go into it after practice or talk about it after practice. Funny you should mention that. My guess is that he probably wouldn't. That he wouldn't. Well, I, I but think, maybe so. I think we'll he see. will, but at some point. The question is, when does that come up? Next hot read, please, as we continue to go over some of the stories. Entering training camp day one here at the Houston Methodist Training Center. J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins on PUP to begin camp. And that, I think that question comes up very early yes. with Bill O'Brien. Does that come up before anything else? Is that going to be the first one? Oh, you know, barring anything strange or unusual happening during the first day of camp. This is where I wouldn't mind Sean being here because Sean could probably oh, give handicap us like, it. He could handicap what questions going to come first because well, maybe it's organizational structure. That's that's going to come up at some point. Clowney's going to come up at Clowney, some point. Of course, a Juan Hopkins and then Justin Reed. Yeah. I mean, those are those are going to come up in in whatever order. So. Sean needs to handicap that for us, and I think the first one will probably be organizational structure. Really? The first question? I think so. Out of the gate. I, I think it'll be I an early so. question, but I think it'll be uh, uh, how is practice kind of thing. Well, yeah. that's no, the, no matter how it went today, how it goes today, I think that that's going to be a question. Well, I think that's. I think you're right. Right Early out of the shoot. Hey, how was practice today? No, and that'll then, be a little bit of warming up, so right. to speak. And then kind of see where it is, and mm-hmm. then see who's ready to, to dive on it and Ask that question about, but you're right. Those are the four questions, and, and we at a minimum, we don't know. We don't know the extent of time that it's going to take for Clowney. I mean, for uh, JJ Watt and DeAndre Hopkins to get out here and practice with the team could be a day, could be longer. We'll right. find out. We don't know. Yeah, and uh, we'll all watch this together. We'll keep you posted. Next hot read. All right, this is uh, interesting because camp is back in Houston, and even though today is really nice, you know that it's going to be the surface of the sun here soon enough, and maybe even (laughs) later today, but it's going to get tough. It's Houston training camp, and we all know what that means. And the practice times, I can tell you this. I've been here for all the training camps since Dom Capers and company. Seth Payne, you just heard him on the air. He was part of that first training camp in 2002. This is the latest they have ever started practice on a consistent basis here at the Houston Methodist Training Center in training camp. They're starting it at a scheduled 9.15 time. Now, very often they'll be out here early. You'll see the guys start trickling in here any moment, really. But this is the latest it's been. So they have to take precautions with the heat. Now, the Houston Methodist Training Center practice bubble, which you all see as you drive by this area, that has turf that was in the stadium, field turf, that's outstanding. They love the stuff. Yeah. You might recall over the years that they did practice in there when they had to. In the early years, they practiced a lot more. Then in the Kubiak era, he really did not like going in there at all. And right. when he would go in there with the team, several players would sit out. Andre Johnson almost never practiced in the indoor facility. But now they have the kind of turf they love. They like it a lot. There's nothing better than grass. Let's be clear on that. But... They are willing to go in there a whole lot this camp and get work done, and I think they're going to be in there for a big chunk of time today. Now, maybe they deem that today's weather is just too good and you can just take advantage of it. Why not? But we'll see how they handle that part of it, Johnny. The other thing is the 
giant refrigeration unit they have to our left, which you can see pictures of on HoustonTexans.com. Fits over 30 players at a time. I don't think they'll get 30 players at once in there, but guys will go in there to cool down, and that is like just give, giving your body an instant chill yeah. to adjust to help adjust to what's going on out here weather-wise. I think that's pretty cool. And they have other ways of taking care of business as well. They'll monitor them more closely than ever with these devices they have in their uniforms. But I think those two things, the bubble improvement and the refrigeration unit, I think that that is going to really help them out. The refrigeration unit basically is like a cold tub. It's like a dry cold tub. Yeah. If you think about an ice bath. Cold. Yeah, it's yeah. like a dry cold tub. I mean, that's that's the whole point. Is, Can is I go to, in there later? Is to cool your body temperature down do in a pretty quick fashion mm-hmm. so that you stop sweating. It stops the coolness, and you quit. You quit. Uh, if you quit sweating, then you're obviously – you know, hopefully not going to lose more water weight, and then you can be you can recover a whole oh, lot faster. What an interesting point, right there. Yeah, uh, Seth helped me with that yesterday. I was listening to him okay. talk about that. But you know, we had I, we we didn't have ice baths at Episcopal. We just went in the swimming pool. That's what we mm. would do. We would go in the swimming pool, which was, was a way it that chilled? we off. because Jacksonville in the summer could get no. It wasn't warm. chilled, but it was it was it makes cool. a difference. It definitely makes a difference. Here's the other thing. I, I I saw this tweeted out about fans at practice, and we only have five open practices. That, in large part, the reason we have only five is for that reason. That you bring – I mean, when we have practice here and it's open to the fans, it's crazy. this thing is packed. I mean, right. it is all the way yeah. throughout the Houston Methodist Training Center. Well, if after an hour they want to go in, then what do you do with, you know, 4,000 fans? I, so, could, I could sing karaoke. Well, you could. We could do some good entertainment. Sweet but Caroline. Yeah, I But they didn't come here to see us and no, hear they, us sing. No, so, they didn't do that. So yeah. that's kind so. of the point is that they want to acclimate. But here's the irony in some sense. So we play Green Bay in two weeks, right? Right. We play one game outdoors after Green Bay before October 13th, and it's at L.A., which typically the weather is very nice. Very nice. Very nice. That's the only game we play outside. So So mid-October in Kansas City, you would think. It's going to be fine. 70s? Yeah. And I mean, we. I mean, before we go to London, we only play a couple of games outdoors. We play at Kansas City mm-hmm. and, and, the, and the Chargers. That's Everything it. else is inside. Yeah, so you have no Saints, hot weather Cowboys, games. us. It's a great point you make. Colts. That's why they're not having these open practices early because they know they're going to be inside a bunch. Right. And it, w- it just wouldn't be good for the fans to see just a sliver of practice or whatever right. it turns out to be. Okay, Jamie Roots, the president of your Houston Texans, coming up along with John McClain. Got a lot to get to today. We're going to break down position groups every day today. We're going to start it off with the offensive line because let's just dive right in with it. And we are so happy you are with us. 8 to 10 every day for the first couple of weeks of camp. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Texans Training Camp Live. Texans Training Texans Radio is at training camp. Welcome back to Texans Training Camp Live. We are at the field. Houston Methodist Training Center. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. John McClain, the general, joins us now. Jamie Roots is coming up. At about 8.35, so stay tuned for him. And I think moving forward, we'll get the general on in that segment. But, John, thanks so much for joining us. It's training camp number 18 for the Texans, 18 for me, and number for you. Which one? Oh, only, only 43. You're the warm-up band for Jamie Roots. That's right. <laughs> and I just sang Sweet I just sang Sweet Caroline in the first segment, so you got to do something better in this segment. Okay. <laughs> Well, 
Uh, let's uh, let's see. The trying to get the mic, general's mic trying on. To get the general's mic on, which we uh, just found out it's not on. Like ten minutes into the conversation, so we'll uh, we'll get that rolling for you. Uh, Sorry, John. That was pretty funny. I was hearing him so. just fine. I know so, I was too. Yeah, it was good. Well, obviously Chris Jones wasn't, and he's running the show inside. I think he went to the bathroom. Jonesy, are we hearing John McClain on the air now? Now we, we are. are. Okay, good. I'm good. setting up Jamie Roots this morning. I'm Ryan Presley to his Roberto Osuna. It's my 43rd training camp, first Ooh. one 1977 with the Oilers and Nacogdoches. And man, oh man, it tra- has training camp changed through the decades. Well, I'm sure you really um, enjoyed the Greenbrier last year and the well, year before that. I wasn't at the Greenbrier last year. I was there two years ago. Last year I was recuperating. Oh, that's right, General. Surgery and missed those two weeks. Yeah. And, uh, I was really bummed about it because I liked it there. I thought it was great. Uh-huh. What I liked about it is being able to sit in stands in the end zone and watch the team from that perspective, take notes, and uh, it was it was very relaxing. Mark Berman from Fox, we'd go up every day to the top of the stands, get out our binoculars and our notepads and watch practice that way. It's so much better than being on ground level here and having to see at the other end of the field, which, of course, you cannot. And, um, and of course, you guys talked earlier about the mountains and the weather, but <laughs> there's an energy here that there's not there yes. when the fans are out here. And the fans pick up everybody. Players, I think, make bigger plays. They, It's not conscious. It's subconscious when the fans are out there and they got an audience screaming and yelling for them. It's only natural. Uh, it's just like I'll bet you if there were a few hundred people out here with, in front of you guys listening to every word and cheering for you, you'd have a little more pep in your giddy-up. Is that what they called That's it? That's what I long for, 200 people listening. Well, actually, <laughs> we have a lot more than that right now. now I'm talking live, about right in front right, of you. Live, it's no, always, it's, it, even one Mark, person. Mark, we love you. I'm doing a show for Georgie right now, and he always loves my stuff. Yeah. And the, the stands here, by the way, if you're lucky enough to come to one of the open practices starting next week, they are covered. So that's... Yeah, they've done a fabulous job yeah, here. That's new as of, I think, last year they did that because we still had some yeah. open practices last Let's year. Let's see, oh, what yeah. do we have to get them to do stands like that covered for the media? No, the right media's got to be tough. Right there in the end zone. Media's got to be I'm tough. sure they'd set something up for you, General, but yeah, I'm you know, sure. for the rest of us, Jamo, it's not going to happen. I'm sure. Okay, well, we were talking about this a little while ago, John. I don't know if you heard this. We were, we were surmising. We need Sean to handicap this. What do you think Bill O'Brien will be asked first today in his press conference, the first time we will have met with Bill since OTAs ended? It depends on who, get, who gets to him first because players are doing interviews. But first one I would guess would be something about having camp without Clowney. Somebody else, probably a TV guy, would ask him, talk about your first day of camp. and and uh, But I think... The lack of the stars out here, of all the, of the stars, Watts not here, Hopkins, Clowney, Watson is. So if they're big four, and I put Justin Reed right behind that first group because I think he's going to be great. So you got guys that are on PUP or non-football injury, and instead of having the entire contingent, they're not worried about them missing the first game. You know, is Will Fuller, what what is going to be let Will's level of participation? Well, he's not on pop. That's since good. Will is coming off a torn ACL in November, and you know they're not going to play him full time in the preseason. They'll bring him along cautiously, but I'm eager to see what he does out here. You know, he's on the same time table as Deshaun Watson was last year yep. because they had their surgery about the same time, and Watson was able to do things. 
from the get-go. Is it the first two days they can't put on pads? Yeah, correct. Because they have to get adjusted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh. He's hearkening back to the days of the <laughs> Junction Boys. Well, I, mean, I was just... not at the Junction Boys. <laughs> well, well, it was just, what, five years ago maybe? Maybe maybe not that many. Maybe the last collective ago? bargaining agreement. Yeah, it was two-day practices. I mean, yeah, we were covering two-day you know, practices. Tom Capers, they didn't go morning and afternoon. They would go morning and night. Right. And the night they they were not the equal intensity, even in that era. It was already changing yeah. from, you know, even the 90s. Bill Parcells coaching the Jets and going two days in full pads. Well, because guys used to not stay in shape through the offseason, right. they didn't exactly. have a great facility like this with all that the players have, including three meals, healthy meals a day mm-hmm. if they want them. So coach, they started in June and coaches thought you had to play them into shape. So the first day. They're doing double days and hitting full contact from the moment they stepped on the field because they thought that's what it took to get them in shape. And I'm surprised, you know, that there were not more heat-related heat-related injuries or Or incidents. Incidents, yes, Mm -hmm. because it was so hot, and they didn't do water and Gatorade all the time like they – do now a lot of times it's like hey you don't need water you're not if you need water you're not tough no now bill o'brien orders them yes drink yeah every coach on the face of this earth orders their kids to drink water i've got to get audio of him saying get a drink yeah like it's a command oh it it, it has to be i mean it has to be and you have to follow tom herman put up a, a schedule of uh what's staying hydrated that if he gave up like a color uh, a color coded chart of your of your urine, that if it was a certain color, you were doing the team really? harm. And if it was a certain color, then you were a good teammate. Really? Because you the weren't staying hydrated. That affects the team. Because you weren't staying. Tie it all together. You it's weren't staying hydrated. There were not deaths. That Really? Deaths. Yeah. Because they didn't give them water. Think about Junction oh, yeah. Boys. Yeah. They could not drink water. And they're, they're they made them. it. And what they they made all made it. it. And the bear was great, right? Ugh. All right, so, John, you brought up a few things. Uh, lack of stars participating, at least in the early going of camp. I think one note about that, none of these things expected to be bad enough to keep people out of the opener, no, right? No. Which, which is Which is significant here. Even the Clowney's situation, we don't know when he's going to come back. but He's going to come back before the first game. Oh, so there you go. So game it'd be, checks. It'd be great to see him. It'd be great if he showed up early. If I were a guy playing for a new contract. Yep. I would, instead of withholding my services and knowing I'm going to have to get in football shape, banging on people. Romeo Cornell talked about that. I wrote a column about it where Romeo said, we know he'll be in great shape. We know he'll know the defense inside and out. But we have to determine how long it will take him to be in football shape. And sometimes you can't just turn it off like a water faucet. So I think if it was me, I wouldn't wait till the last minute. Right. might show up a week or two early to make sure I did get in football shape to have my best season to force people to pay me more money. John, I think the best thing about this is that you have number four coming back. He's been participating in OTAs full go all off season, And despite who's not here, you have him. And that's how you're going to build the culture going forward. Well, around he's the main your guy you got to have. And I, I wrote, I think, two weeks ago about it. I thought he had a great season last year. When you looked at all the limitations around him, the offensive line, Fuller and QT missing 19 games, Lamar Miller missing two and a half, Deontay Foreman not doing anything, two rookie tight ends, collapsed long, broken rib, and yet he still accounted for 31 touchdowns, and he was the first one in history to have, what, 4,000-yard rushing, 
25 touch. I'm sorry, 4,000 passing, 25 touchdowns, 500 rushing, and five rushing touchdowns. First quarterback in history. Imagine how great he and this offense could be if, say, QT and Fuller only missed five games, and we think the offensive line is going to be better. The tight ends are in their second year, and Miller last year of his contract, and Foreman coming back with a vengeance. He can be I tell everybody on these fantasy shows I do, yeah. take Deshaun Watson. Yeah, I think he's getting, a lot of, he's getting a lot of love from the fantasy, the fantasy world. There's As no question should. about that. John, where will your eyes be today? First thing you're going to want to watch, I mean, we all want to see Deshaun Watson, but what's, where are your eyes going to be the first day of training camp? Well, since they don't hit and they, they can't cover and knock each other down, that's why I'm more fired up about being in Green Bay where they have the practices. Sure. And they actually hit each other, so – Watson, the receivers, and I believe a bigger issue than the offensive line is cornerback. They need Lonnie Johnson to get out here and be healthy. Roby. Do what he's supposed to do. Bradley Roby. Yep. Be healthy. Do what he's Well, we're, we're going to break that down. We're going to break that down tomorrow, I believe. Right? Yeah, secondary's tomorrow. Offensive, offensive line today. Offensive line at 9 o'clock. Deep dive into that, including audio from a guy who's been around the block who really wants to make this team and what that's like. John, thanks so much. We look forward to reading My your pleasure, stuff in the Chronicle. My pleasure, guys. Thank you very much. Happy to be the setup man for Jamie Roots. John McClain, warm-up band for Jamie Roots, Texans president. He is next on Texans Trading Camp Live. Texans Trading Camp Live. Keep up with the Houston Texans everywhere you go. Hey. Download the Texans mobile app. We're at the Houston Methodist Training Center, Texans Training Camp Live, and players are making their way onto the field right now, and it looks like they're going to start out activation-wise in the practice bubble here. Okay, this is a big thing right off what? the bat. Offense white, defense blue. Oh, jeez. You know, I'm so confused. I've, I had to tell you that. No, it, I had to break the news to you. I knew that I was I can't even remember it anymore because they, they went back and forth last know, year and everything, and it really messes with my mind. Okay, the president of the Houston Texans is here, Jamie Roots. Good morning, Jamie. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Here we are. All right, so back in Houston for the first time in three years to start camp. And, boy, when you say it like that, it sounds like it's been a long time, huh? <laughs> I, I tell you, it was really uh, it was great to be at the Greenbrier. It's such a beautiful environment, but uh, it, it – it does not have our fans. Mm-hmm. It is so special to be here and to have extended opportunities for our fans, get close to our players. Our players feed off their energy. Our coaches are lifted by their energy. Heck, I'm lifted by their energy. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking forward to, you know, we've got this acclimation period, and then we'll get the, the fans out here. We'll get away to Green Bay, and then we'll come back and have a couple of other opportunities. Those will be live practices with the, with the Lions. So it's a very special preseason. Jimmy, we've got so so many things happening this year. I know one thing, we're going to talk about a lot of different things. But one thing I'm really curious about has really nothing to do with training camp, but our London trip. We're making a London trip for the first time. And I know when we first talked about it, it was kind of like, yeah, hey, you know, we're going to go over there, we're going to win the game, and that's going to be fine. But it feels like there have been some people taking a site visit. I know you went over there. It feels like there's more excitement about that trip to go to London in November. Is there not? What What's What's been your excitement level about going over there to play a game we never have? Really excited. I uh, I think it's a wonderful opportunity for us to uh, uh, build our brand, but more importantly, the brand of the city of Houston, what Houston is, who we are. Uh, when I went over, I had a sit-down with the, with the media in London, 
And uh, it was clear to me that they didn't quite get the mojo that exists here in Houston. Uh, Some of them will be coming over to Houston for a familiarity trip at the beginning of our regular season so that they can see what happens here. When I was talking about tailgating, when I was talking about the traditions, rituals, talking about the size of our fan base, that we have a wait list of 32,000, their eyes crossed. They're like, what are you talking about? We, we, we We don't know any of this, right? So this is a great chance for us to introduce how special Houston is and how special the relationship is between our organization and our fans. It's funny you mention that because it's kind of like when we're not familiar with the rabid fan base of one of their soccer clubs, right? right? And it's then you exactly learn about the it. They're learning about us. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's exactly the same, and it's interesting. The uh, the affinity that, that uh, uh, sports fans have here in the States around English Premier League, it's usually around the players. Mm-hmm. It's not necessarily about the clubs, right? But you get into the, into, in the premiership in London or in England, they, they're all about the club. Yeah. Uh, it's the same thing for American football, that here you're all about the team, your team. Mm-hmm. But when you get across the pond, I found they, they just cared about the players. Wherever yeah. the players go, they're going to yeah. be a fan of that team. So it's yeah. just interesting how that dynamic happens in reverse. Jamie Roots with us, president of the Houston Texans. Okay, now a lot of people aren't familiar with the way an NFL team works, and we're not going to get into all the schematics here, but there's business operations, there's football operations, a lot of talk about organizational structure. What can you share with us about the way the Texans are set up? I know Cal McNair had some things to say on Texans Radio earlier this week. Yeah, I'm, we're excited. I, I tell you what, there, there's such a, a tremendous amount of chemistry in our building, and it really it all starts with Cal. I mean, he's been uh, it's been such a smooth transition uh, uh, Bob McNair, uh, who was a hero, is a hero of mine and a, a tremendous mentor, did such a great job setting things up so that the transition would be smooth. And so uh, Cal has really demanded that everybody work as a team. It's That's the operative word. It's about team. It's team first, uh, collaboration across the building. And I, I think we're going to have a uh, – I think we're going to have a, a really special year because of it. Excellent. Jimmy, when you think about your first training camp, because Mark and I were talking about earlier, this is my 13th, this is Mark's 18th. When you think back to training camp one, when this thing is really being built and you think back and you then think to today, what's the one thing that you think back to that first training camp and go, man, we changed that and we've made that better for the long run that is exhibited in our training camps today? Well, I, I could highlight a lot of things, but uh, I heard in your earlier segment you talked about the shade for the fans, uh, <laughs> if that's what you're talking about in terms of the experience. Because yeah. let me tell you, to sit out on those bleachers in the in the, in yeah. the sunshine is really tough. So I, I'm glad we were able to uh, figure that out. So that makes for a much better experience. But uh, the, uh, the, the training camp um, operation, I mean, it's been pretty consistent because it works. But every year, we're looking at how do we make it better? How do we make the experience better? And when you guys are watching here on the field and then you see the fans, but back behind there, there's a big old party going on, yeah, right? Folks right. are having a blast. I mean, there it, it's you know, it, it is a practice, right? But uh, but it's a free opportunity for the fans to come in and get close to the team. It's just a chance to feel football again before we start playing games. All right, so coming up at NRG Stadium, we have a lot of events right. and opening weekend in the regular season for the Texans, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars after opening on the road against the Saints on Monday night. But that weekend is maybe the biggest weekend in the history of Houston football <laughs> all right. the way through when you have back-to-back-to-back games at NRG Stadium. Well, and how cool is it that you've got back-to-back-to-back the, the two college teams, at that uh, the premier college teams here in the Houston area, yep. and then uh, the Houston Texans. So you open on Friday night with the Advocare Texas kickoff. 
You've got the University of Houston and Washington State. Uh, all the tremendous buzz around uh, Dana and uh, Dana Holgerson and what he's going to do for the for the Houston Cougars and the great season that Washington State had last year and the Leech rivalry. Oh, I mean, it's yeah. just so many great storylines around that Friday game and then Saturday. Uh, you know, U- uh, University of Texas. You guys were talking earlier about about Tom Herman and you know players. Players are penalized by the by the coaching staff if they don't have their water bottle with them. You were talking about yeah. hydration. Yeah, yeah. I and mean, that's how They're serious they take it. Yeah. yeah, and the urine. I mean, chart, I don't think right? we should have that business ops, but you know, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just saying, Jamie. I You're mean, it is fine. something to learn from Tom Herman. I, uh, uh, coffee is more important to us than water. Yeah, that's, so that's very true. Uh, then, then you got Saturday night. You got Rice and and uh, and UT. Old Southwestern Conference rivalry, and then we open up. We have our Liberty Whiteout game with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's a it's a really important game for us. That game is uh, from a theme perspective. We're celebrating all of our first responders, and and you talk about things you're proud of and things. I'm really proud that this organization, whether we're recognized for it or not, have been a change agent in the National Football League. This idea of themes around your games creating tremendous meaning to the game beyond just uh, the. Uh, Athletic competition, that's something the league uh, wasn't even thinking about back in 2002. We started it. They've taken most of our themes, and they've replicated them across uh, across the country, whether that's uh, Pink Ribbon Day or it's uh, it's the uh, salute to service game with the military. So, uh, anyway, we uh, that, that weekend is going to be a great start. Jimmy, well, this year in the NFL, it's the 100th year anniversary of the NFL, and there is a lot going on. I remember when you came back from, an, uh, I think it was the owners' meetings, you talked about what that means to the NFL. Right. How are we, as an organization, sort of celebrating, even though we haven't been around 100 years, obviously right. we're not the Bears or the, or the Packers, and we are the youngest, we're the, we're the baby kid in the NFL, the if youngest. you will. We are the youngest. But we still have put in our time here. What's kind of the, the celebration for us in this uh, 100th year of the NFL? What do we have planned? Right. Uh, well, there, there are a couple of things that we're doing. One, one is the Huddle for 100 where we're, uh, you know, asking fa- uh, all fans to go out and do uh, 100, uh, 100 minutes of volunteer service and, uh, and log that, uh, at least that amount, and log it. Um, you can find out more about that program through HoustonTexans.com, but it was part of our Texans Care Volunteer Day. Mm-hmm. So really trying hard as a, as a team and a, le- and a league to encourage volunteerism around this theme of of 100, and then there is going to be a signature weekend where, from Friday through Sunday, with ending with a home game, we have activities all throughout the community where we're recognizing the the 100th season of the National Football League. But to your point, there there are markets where this is going to be. I mean, uh, so central to yeah. what they do because they could be celebrating their 100th season as well. You know, right. for us, I mean, we're a newer franchise. But throughout the season, you know, at, at HoustonTexans.com, you're seeing the 100 greatest moments in Texans history, and you guys have done a great job celebrating it. So uh, I would just say that, uh, you know, throughout all of our uh, digital assets particularly, you're going to see an opportunity to celebrate the 100th of this and that and the other team, the 100 greatest players in NFL history, yeah. et cetera. Jamie Roots, president of the Texans, joining us. Texans training camp live. We're on the field here. Players making their way into the practice bubble to get ready for today's opening practice. Now, Jamie, in a few weeks, we're going to invite people in, media people, to talk about what's new at the stadium. And and I know over the years there have been so many innovations and additions, and the game presentation crew just won another award four out of seven years, right, for best presentation in the National Football League? Yeah, that's right. The uh, IDEA Conference, they recognize annually the best – 
game presentation in the National Football League, and we've won it a number of years and won it again this past year. I mean, that's the uh, all the rituals and the traditions and the video board production, all the things that we do to make uh, game day so uh, entertaining, but more importantly, so engaging. You know, you think about social media, and it, that media thing is a misnomer because it's, it's not about broadcasting information. It's people broadcasting themselves. Yeah. Everyone wants to participate, and that's what I'm so – proud of our team that they focus on these opportunities to bring the fans into the game to create an experience like that's like no other and for sure not even close to what you will experience on your couch and that's why you have 32,000 people on a wait list because they know how special from tailgating to the in-game experience how special that is here in Houston. Jimmy, Very I cool. know you're going to miss the Greenbrier because I almost killed you on a golf course so you're definitely <laughs> you're definitely going to miss that but I know when you're out here there's so many different people as the president of the organization that you have to meet and sponsors are here and you have to meet those people and shake hands. But when you get a chance to actually watch the team, what is it that you're watching for in training camp? Well, uh, first and foremost, I mean, we have uh, you, you talked about the turnover of the roster over from uh, even from year to year. Yeah. The first thing is I, I want to get familiar with everybody. Right. Yep, get to yep. know everybody's names. And and there are all these players that uh, that I don't spend a, a tremendous amount of time studying the guys before the draft, et cetera. So it's my chance to see, you know, hear some things, see what they're all about. You know, see if the eye test matches what you've heard. And so that's really where I'm spending my time. But back on the Greenbrier, I'll tell you, the Greenbrier doesn't want me back, particularly their golf course. Right, because uh, I, I, I I can make a mess of a golf course in a hurry. Well, I tried to make a mess of your golf course, but everybody lived, and that's good. Jamie, thank you so much for joining us, and best of luck this season. Hey, and thank you guys. You do such a great job. I talked about you know getting familiar with the guys, with the players. You do such a great job for it's such a such a great benefit for fans to be able to understand exactly what's going on uh, through your eyes and and your experience, both of you. Well, thank you very much. We love doing it. And offensive line, that's our first position breakdown of the season at 9 a.m. We will do that. All right, we have a little breaking news, if you will, as a certain player is practicing. Well, I mean, we saw him walking across oh, with his helmet and taped up. Yeah, so. I mean, he's he's good to go. He doesn't dress like that on the weekends when he's hanging out by the pool, I don't I think. Don't know. I you never to. know. I mean, I used to. I used do, to go up by the pool. And do, does Juan wear the arm brace when he's, like, watching TV at night? Like, I'm going to wear my arm brace Ooh, for this a one. Good, that's you know? a good point. I, I thought I, about I'm that. I'm watching. If, if he watches Wisconsin play again. I don't know. I mean, arm I, brace. I don't know. My players used to – I used to drive my players nuts because I used to sit in my office and be in full gear. Especially, like, right after I what? played. I just lo- I love the feeling of gear. I loved it. I would that, strap up, and I was ready of, to go. That's, that's almost no, creepy, borderline. It's not, it's but, not creepy. But it's J.J. Just... Watt in uniform, walking into the bubble, good to go for today. I don't know if he'll be limited or whatever, but he's doing something, and that's really encouraging. Uh, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins and J.J. being on PUP. Kahale Waring being in the um, NFI category. Justin Reed being in the NFI category. We'll update you as to how they're looking and what they're doing today, if they're watching, participating, yep. doing whatever, because obviously everybody wants to know about that. But I think that what we highlighted with John McClain is the most important thing, that number four has been out here all offseason yes. long. Mm-hmm. First franchise quarterback for this team to take all the reps in the offseason since 2013. I mean, we talk about the uh, yeah. since thing, you know, the yeah. first since that, yeah. since this. Since 2013, Matt Schaub was out here in OTAs, mm-hmm. all right? Watson out here in OTAs, entering his second full season as a starter for this squad. I think that is highly significant. I think not enough can be said about that because 
he's still developing rhythm. He's still learning this game. I mean, it, it's not that long ago, and I, I think it has to be pointed out that quarterbacks you've thought that nah, three four five years before they really start to get it look at the success he's had in such a limited amount yeah. of time he's going to have his 23rd start and he'll be 23 years old on monday night football wow. against the saints that's it well i think now when, when you look at quarterbacks around the league if you think about it you've got your established old guard if you will the brady the breeze uh rivers roethlisberger you got that and then you've got kind you of a... put Manning, Eli, in that category? He's, he's that class of 04. Uh, he is. He he's is, not as I, highly I regarded as those guys. I don't know if he's going to end up being the guy. The way Pat Shermer was talking yesterday, he's got a, he's got a, he's got a love Jones for Daniel Jones. <laughs> I mean, he really does. I mean, he, yeah. was, he was... Well, he's, he might be pushing draft, Eli, too, at the you, same time. You draft the guy number six. Mm-hmm. You're mm-hmm. going to play him pretty, I would think, relatively early if you're having struggles. But, but yeah, put Eli in that group. But then How would got, Bill O'Brien handle Jones? Yeah, he'd like, he'd have know. a locker I, in the corner, you know. <laughs> no, he'd have a blue locker in the middle. <laughs> no, well, that, well, that's kind of what I, I meant. I, I didn't describe it but, well. But uh, then you've got kind of the middle, and there's really not many in the middle. I mean, you probably put Rodgers in that top group. But in the mm-hmm. middle, you've got Russell Wilson and Andrew Luck. Yeah. Which, when the old guard is done in the next three to four years, I hope, then you've got these next two of Wilson and Luck, and then you've got this gaggle of young quarterbacks a gaggle yeah you've got Wentz you got Baker you got Deshaun uh you got Jared Goff you got a bunch of these young quarterbacks that are coming that you know and and obviously Patrick Mahomes who's league MVP last year kind of jockeying for for a spot you're gonna I think the game in due time when the when the older guard leaves finally and retires you're gonna have this group of about a dozen young quarterbacks coming and that are gonna dominate the game and hopefully number four ends up being one of those. We're lucky to be able to watch him each and every day. Not everybody's gonna make it. And oh, some of the guys who started out hot will not maintain that. Derek Carr, okay. RG three. Entering R G three. Derek Carr entering year six. I saw a Raider tweet yesterday. Year six, and I'm yeah. thinking, geez, it's already year six for him. That's right. Yeah. And he started out pretty hot. And in fact, in 2016, that Monday night game in Mexico yeah. City, boy, you thought this guy's going to take over the league. And then look what happens. Now that doesn't mean his career is over, though, because he no. still has a chance to make up for some of those things. New coaching staff, and I know last year didn't go well, but they've added to the mix there. Yeah. And we're going to see them at NRG Stadium this year. So, uh, and Andrew Luck is in the middle of that whole yes. thing right the old yeah, guys the young guys in the right in the middle luck and wilson and those are really good players so uh yeah there are more i if i feel like there are more good quarterbacks in the league now than any time since i've been a part of the league since oh two and uh and maybe since i've been watching football for a long time you know i think in the 80s you had a lot of great quarterbacks with that class of 83 and yeah. some of the old guys who were still around then well to that end how many quarterbacks were drafted last year yeah. in in 2018 you had, what, five in the first round, and they're all starting in every team yeah. that drafted a quarterback in the Browns with Baker, the Jets with Darnold, the Ravens with, with Lamar, Josh Allen with Buffalo. Yeah. I was just on with, uh, with them yesterday with uh, John Murphy and Steve Tasker talking about quarterbacks. And you know, they got a guy they believe in. Now, that, uh, that will probably level itself out. One or two of those guys probably not going to work out, but you still got young quarterbacks coming from college. You got Tua. You got Justin Herbert at Oregon. You got Jake Fromm. You got some young dudes that are coming – Kyler Murray, what's he going to do in his first year with Arizona, with this offense? You've got some young, exciting quarterbacks that people want to see. No, you're right. They're not all going to pan out. Mm -hmm. But I think teams are more apt to take a shot on a young guy, especially with the CBA being what it is. Take a shot on a young guy as opposed to before the CBA when you had to pay God knows how much to get a quarterback. If you drafted quarterback number one, 
I mean, think what Sam Bradford made. Now, yeah, yeah you draft the guy number one. It's still expensive, but it's not like it was. I mean, and if you if you flame out, you flame out. So with Daniel Jones, with the Giants, you draft in number six, you don't have to flame right away. The success of a Watson early on, Mahomes, I know he didn't play the first year, but he played that last game, then obviously did yeah. what he did last year. The success of some of these guys makes everyone want to jump in the pool Absolutely. with these young quarterbacks Absolutely. with a rookie. Stardom, let's go. Baker Mayfield's flash last yep. year, and obviously they're hoping it's much more than a flash, and he looks pretty good. But you're right, not everybody's going to make it. We'll see how that goes. Next up, every day at 9, we'll try to do it at the same time every day. Sometimes we get great guests and we move things around. We're going to break down a position group. And today we're going to start right where in. we've been talking all offseason long. This is the offensive line. You are entering training camp. What does it look like, and who are these guys? Some of the other guys who are trying to make the squad make a difference for your 2019 Houston Texans. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's Texans Training Camp Live. Texans Training Camp is underway. Get all the breaking news, updates, interviews, and more right now at HoustonTexans.com. Now back to Texans Training Camp Live. Presented by Academy Sports and Outdoors, Geico, and by Papa John's Houston. So DP City does our bump music. Clearly, I don't. She's done a great job. She's done a great job. DP, heck of a job with the music. Yeah, heck of a job. Mark like, might not where, love it. I love where's it. Where's the ACDC, okay? I need... <laughs> you know what you need to do? Here's what? what you need to do. We need to find a musician out there that can mash up that with ACDC. Oh, no. We've, it can we've done stuff. We, we did happen. a TV show called Texans Late Night where we took the Clay Walker Texans song yeah. and we made it all techno and everything. It was really cool. Yeah. I forget how we See, did yeah, that. yeah, do that. I think she got Just, that done as well. Yeah, all right. That. It's Texas Training Camp Live. We're on the field and the team activating in the practice bubble. J.J. Watt in uniform. That's good. I noticed Nick Martin is not dressed today, so we'll try to keep you posted on any developments there. But Bill O'Brien's not going to discuss injuries. Yeah. Uh, you know, he had a smile on his face, so hopefully this doesn't take too long. I, I try to read things <laughs> into yeah. what I see. Yeah, I'm just true. telling you what I see, you all know, right? Nick I'm Martin not breaking news here. Nick Martin had a smile yeah. on his face, oh, not yeah. Bill O'Brien. Oh, no, Bill O'Brien did not have a smile on his no, face. He's, so can, he's, summer Bill is done. Yeah, Summer okay? Bill is done. Summer in, Bill in has season, left the building. In-season Bill was, was back probably while he was still uh, no, I on think, vacation. Well, it may be, but I talked to him last week, and he was still Summer Bill. And <laughs> No, it's, it's gone. Because Not earlier anymore. this week, I was like, no, he's, he's back. <laughs> but, okay. you know, it's funny you say that, though, because yesterday, yesterday, mm-hmm. I was walking around the building, and, and most of the time I'll see people, and I kind of maybe chit-chat with them a little bit. Yeah. I just saw people like, hey, like I was – I just – Totally was in focus yeah. for today. Yeah, you and were. You, you had your game face on. Like I was, I was. We had in season Johnny. That's, I was, I that's was what ready. it was. Yeah. It's in season Johnny, and uh, and we're bringing it to you every night at six, every day, first couple of weeks of camp, eight to ten a.m. And Sports Radio six ten guys are out here as well. Landry and Lopez coming up next at ten o'clock from this very broadcast position. You heard Seth and Sean earlier. They'll be doing it every day of camp to start it off. All right, let's go here. Position group breakdown and you might be wondering because there are a lot of players at each position group who are these guys who are those guys yeah that's right and that's paul newman from butch cassidy and the sundance kid when the posse's chasing them all right so you'll hear that every day as well but who are these guys offensive line and we talk about the tackle position johnny and that has been the focus of the offseason for the media and I think the organization as well when you look at who they drafted in the first couple of rounds here with Titus Howard and Max Sharping. 
Last season, Julio Davenport was your starter at left tackle. And Julio had his first full season as a starter yeah. at that spot. So clearly, you're looking for, we always talk about rookies to the second year, that year one to year two jump. Well, I think it's the same thing if you're playing your first full season and you're about to play your second full season, and we don't know if he's going to start or not, but whether or not that's going to happen, he's focused on a jump. And you and I interviewed him early on in the offseason. You could see a difference there physically. And I think, you know, I I can't get into his brain, but he sounded different. And let's hope that he's able to take that leap that he's looking for, whether he plays, starts or not. You absolutely need as much depth as possible, and maybe you're going to need him to start against the Saints on Monday Night Football. No question. And I brought, I brought this up a couple of times, and, I, and I've talked about this. We've all think, – think about your, your job, your occupation. I was, on, I was actually on with, uh, with uh, Sean one day, and, and Sean obviously was my first co-host. We did our show together, Sean and John's show, many years ago. Uh, we have a very funny training camp story, first day of training camp story yeah, that Sean shared today. But I, I was talking to Sean, and I said, they asked me about Julian, and I said, look, I think everybody gets in their mind. And everybody, I mean media and fans, people that not are in the building, they get in their mind that what they last saw of that guy is the guy they're going to see in 2019. Yeah. And I said, think back to your first job, the first time you did anything. And I said to Sean, I said, you stunk. I was like, you know why I know that? Because <laughs> I sat next to you and I stunk. But eventually, in time, you, you start got, learning. You, got be- uh, you, got, you get better at these yeah. things. You, you get better. Now, if you don't get better fast enough in this league, they say the NFL stands for not for long. And then, obviously, changes have got to be made. Right. And I would imagine that as Julian sits there on draft night and he sees Titus Howard draft and then he sees Max Sharping, it's like, okay, I got it. I got Now, I think it was even before that. The but fire like, was lit anyway. But right. That Absolutely. The pilot light was going, further. and now there's just more gas hit to it. So I think for Julian, he's going to be better than he was because he's gone through that. I remember, yeah. I remember sitting here. You and I did these shows in 2014, and throughout the offseason of 2014, we heard about Derek Newton. Oh, man, they're going to go with Derek. And I remember – when, when Bill O'Brien was asked about Derek Newton, he's like, man, I don't know what y'all are looking at because the Derek Newton that I see can play tackle for us. He can play right tackle opposite Dwayne Brown. That guy can play. And everybody's like, oh, come on. Really? And then Derek Newton went in and played very, very well for this organization yep. uh, until his injury on Monday night against the Denver Broncos in 16. He, that, I think he was a perfect case for what can happen when – a few years, you start stacking a few years, and you're healthy. Now, I don't know if last year was any health issues, but I know for Derek in 2013, he's not completely healthy. And that's a seventh-round draft choice. You yeah. didn't exactly go to Alabama, right? right. So and you have Julio, same thing, fourth-rounder, Buck. Now, I mean, you yeah. Know. All right, so so there it is, and, and we gotta we gotta move it quicker here. I know because we're breaking down the entire offensive line, but you look you look at Davenport Howard, who's listed as a tackle. But we did see him line up at guard. Yep. And then you're looking at whoever else you could put in there. Matt Khalil now, dressed today. Yeah, absolutely. Want to see what he can do. He didn't practice in the OTAs, coming back from injury. And he's got a lot of experience. So I always thought if he's healthy, Johnny, he's going to be a factor in yeah. the mix somehow. He's going to be competing for a spot. We'll see how that goes. Well, it's a, it's a prove-it deal for Matt Khalil. He didn't play last year. Uh, he only played, I believe, one year in Carolina after signing a big deal. They released him and let him go. This is a big prove-it deal for Matt Khalil. Can he get back to where he was earlier in his career? The guy was fourth pick in the draft in 2012 and the guy can play when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. In Minnesota, 
he had a couple of really good years, and then he started having, you know, when we played up there in 16, he didn't play that year. He didn't play in 18. So he struggled. He has struggled with staying healthy. Right. And that was one of the things he said to us. Yeah. What did he say to us? Hey, hey, I, I came here in large part because I, I like what they're doing with sports performance, the training staff. I like that. So if he can stay healthy, he's going to be a factor in this. And the fact that he's ready to go today was awesome. So watching him walk across in that white 75 jersey, I was like, oh, okay. Because yeah. that's one we've been asking about. What's going to happen with Matt Khalil? So I'm really excited to well, see that. Well, even if uh, you only get a few starts and he's paving the way for Howard to sure. take that spot – I don't know if that happens. Maybe Howard's a guard. Maybe he's a tackle. Look, right. we're going to let you know as camp unfolds how they're, you know, we'll not, you know, we're not going to get into every little, you know, detail where he puts his left pinky sure. toe. Well, but yeah. but we want to let you know who's playing guard, who's playing tackle. And, and they're going to do a lot of switching up anyway because you sure. only get seven offensive linemen on game day for the most part. And, and they want to have that versatility so guys can fill in at different spots. Max Sharping on the right side. Chantrell Henderson on the right side. Yep. And whoever else. Maybe Julian's a swing guy. I think Henderson is exciting because he looked good in camp last year. Yes. You want to get him healthy, get him out there. And Sharping, look, we'll see. He's a rookie. He'll, well, he'll go wherever the coaches tell him he, to. Yeah, exactly. And beyond that, he's an intelligent brilliant rookie he had a i think he was a 3.99 or 4.0 student at niu incredibly smart guy and that's one of the things that we've heard about him in the building is that he picks things up pretty quickly and as a rookie if you can pick those things up you know the two jordans talked about Kali wearing about how much how quickly he was picking things up yep. and as a rookie that to me if you can stay healthy and you're picking things up pretty quickly you'll find a way on the field yeah you'll find a way on the field so you're going to see those guys but to me chantrell is a very intriguing guy because when he walks in a room you're like oh my gosh that, that that's the biggest guy I've ever seen. I've never seen a guy the, that size. I, I, we, we've talked about this in the offseason a little bit. They are all huge. Yeah, and and really I, was, I was walking next to them because they just got out of an O-line meeting yesterday, and I thought, I've never seen our line look like this yeah. from uh, across, the board, across the board, right? Yeah. I mean, we've had big dudes in here. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. And they're all big. But this is probably the biggest line, and, and maybe I'm wrong about that statistically, but it's probably the biggest line that's ever been here as far as – across the board at this stage of the season. We'll see who ends up playing starting when the regular season arrives. Yeah, and, I mean, it makes sense because for a long time with Gary Kubek running his own system, it, you didn't have to have a 320-pound guy. Right. But you can go from left to right. I mean, Julian, I don't know what they list him at because sometimes the weights on here are not going to be exactly what they are. But Julian, they have him at 325. Mm -hmm. Titus is 322. Um Max yeah. Sharping is like 327. Yeah, daily, by Henderson the way. is probably 330. I mean, you can average maybe 320, 325 across the front. Yeah. That's bigger than they've ever been. And that's going to – look, you move guys off the ball, you get the running game going. I mean, think about that. If you're exacting a punishment with a, an offensive line that averages 325-plus, right. and then here comes Lamar Miller, and then all of a sudden here comes 230 pounds of Deontay Foreman, a healthy Deontay Foreman, your run game's got to get better. Right, it, it has to get better. Interior, the rookies might be involved there. Martinez Rankin now listed as a guard. Last year, you put him out there against the Patriots, a tackle for a moment because yeah, you had to because yeah. uh, Henderson got hurt. But when you look at Fulton, Kelamete, Rankin, these are the guys trying to make a difference on the inside. And let's not forget about always reliable Greg Mance yeah, in absolutely. there as well. Nick Martin is your starting center. We mentioned he's not dressed today, but I'm not going to panic about that right now. Six weeks to go till the opener, actually six and a half almost. So yep. there it is. Yeah, you're right. That's the one thing. Don't panic. And But don't panic yet. Mm -hmm. You do have a preseason game in two weeks. 
Yeah. So you've got to hope that what you did in the OTAs in the offseason is going to end up getting you ready for that preseason contest. And I mean, think about all the things that go into a football game. I mean, some people think you just roll the balls out there and play. There's so many different little nuances you have to be aware of sudden change situations, making tackles, full tackles for really the first time in a long time. You have to do all those different things in two weeks. So you better have gotten it done in the OTAs in the offseason. So to me, you can have some some movement, if you will, with the offensive line, some versatile pieces moving different places. But for the most part, you gotta you got to settle on your guys pretty quickly and hope that line starts to gel. Because when you go to New Orleans, you're hoping in that group, that five. Keep this in mind. Mm-hmm. The, the Patriots last year. Remember when we played, faced the Patriots? From left to right, it was Trent Brown, Joe Thune, David Andrews, uh, uh, Shaq Mason, and Marcus Cannon. Guess what the five in the Super Bowl for the Patriots was? The very same five. Wow. If you can keep the same five guys in the offensive line and let them gel for 16 games yeah. plus, you're going to end up having – you might not have the best offensive line in the league, but you're sure going to have a pretty competent average. Consistency. Competent offensive line. All right, you have a lot of guys who are these guys trying to make the team. One of them is Rick Leonard, who's bounced around a little bit. Yeah. You and I visited with him. Here's just a tiny snippet of that conversation to let you know what he's going through, which is sort of a snapshot of what a lot of these guys are going through. Let's hear it. After being with the Saints and the Rams and the Cardinals, when you got the news that you were coming here, what was your reaction? Man, I was I was I was excited. I was pumped. You know, it's a, like I said, a great opportunity, a great organization, and so I'm very excited to be here. What do you feel like you need to work on to hold on and get that long-term employment going here? Man, I think I need to work on a lot of things. You know, I got to increase my overall strength. You know, I got to I got to really learn a lot more positions. You know, I was just a right tackle in college. And uh, like I, I just I switched in college from defense end too, so I gotta just keep developing, keep learning how to be an offensive lineman and play offensive line. Johnny, you have a lot of guys like Rick Leonard on a lot of NFL rosters, but on this team trying to make it. I mean, I'm looking at some of the names here: David Steinmetz. You know, these are not exactly household names. Uh, you mentioned last night on the show the rookie DJ Coker from Rhodes College, which, by the way, is that in Georgia? Tennessee. It's in Tennessee. Okay. Tennessee. All right. Did anybody get that trivia question right? I don't know. I don't think so. Marquis Shakur. I mean, there are a lot of guys here who yeah. you know are not exactly going to get Malcolm Pridgen. They're and those are rookies, by the way. Rick Leonard's actually had some opportunities yep. in this league, and they're just trying to find a way to stay on the field, catch the eye of the coaches, and maybe through some sort of injury matriculation or their own ability get playing time, get employment. Well. Think about it. You've been around NFL teams for a long time. What yep. happens the first week of training camp? A guy goes down. Yep. You, you know, you're number three or number four in a depth chart. A guy goes down. Well, Nick Martin's not practicing today, so somebody else is going to get lifted up to play center with yeah. the twos and the threes. No, absolutely. And that's all it takes. And then you look good for those days, and guy can't make it back. But it's like, hey, wait a second. You know, uh, Shakir looks pretty good with this group. Let's let's yep. let him go another day. Let's see what he does. And then the next day looks even better. Like, hey, he's kind of getting this. Let's let's roll with this. Let's see. And then it's one thing after the next. I always go back to Terrell Davis. Terrell Davis was a six-round pick out of Georgia for Denver Broncos. Nobody knew about him. He was thinking about leaving the game. They were in Japan. He goes down on one kickoff in a preseason game. One kickoff, and he just drilled the returner. And all of a sudden, everybody's like, whoa, who's that? Yeah. And from that point on, it was like, and all of a sudden, Mike Shanahan's like, hey, give him some reps at running back. Yeah, because look, happens. if we're going to keep him as a third running back, yeah. we like him on special teams. Are you saying Buddy Howell's going to the Pro Football Hall of Fame? Just kidding. Just kidding. That's I know not what I'm saying. All right, that's our offensive line breakdown, and a lot is going on here. Players coming out of the practice bubble.
practicing outside today. Gorgeous day at the Houston Methodist Training Center. DP Sid is going to join us. We're going to go over three to watch. Three things you're watching today, yeah. three things I'm watching. Landry Locker has his camp questions, including stuff about the quarterback position here, the depth of it. It's all happening on Texans Training Camp Live. Putting on Texans Training Camp Live. Putting on Texans. This is Deshaun Watson. The bomb from Deshaun Watson. And you're listening to Texas Radio. My goodness. We're at the field. Houston Methodist Training Center. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Texans Training Camp Live. We'll be out at 6 tonight recapping what happens today. We'll be on tomorrow morning, 8 to 10 a.m. as well. And joining us right now, lead writer for HoustonTexans.com, star of Texans TV, Texans Radio, D.P. Sidhu. How about that resume? The star. Huh? I like the star. that. I like that. Drew's not here, so we can say also, that. Also, MBA. <laughs> you have your MBA. You have your, your electrical engineering They're degree. super helpful right now yeah. when I'm dealing with Houston You're heat. super educated. <laughs> I know. Super educated. Well, we, we lost power everybody. earlier. You could have helped us out with that if I you're could've. an electrical engineer. I could have. Um, I'm an engineer, too. You oh, you're an engineer. Yeah, civil. Civil. If, if, if the road breaks down. And then Johnny's your I man. couldn't tell you one thing. I don't remember. Experience. I don't remember. I single couldn't thing. tell you one. Thing. I don't either. Wait a minute. You went to <laughs> Brown and studied this stuff? Listen, I was a I was a meathead football so, player. So I'm the only one who studied this business sort of because yes, I exactly. I was basically an advertising major, communications. So there, so I'm sort of in the biz that way. All right, DP. So three things we're watching today at training camp. You go first. You get the first one. Okay. Well, I just saw JJ Watt and Will Fuller out in pads. So I'm curious to see. This or will be my one and two. Shells, yeah. pads, shells, yeah. pads. Uh, yes, shells. I should. We should call them shells because they are. Wait, Will, Will Fuller. Good, good. All right, got and JJ. JJ was. JJ was in. Uh, was on the pup to start off. There's. There's Will Fuller right now. He's I coming see over Will here with Fuller, the wide receivers. And this is nice. And Kiki QT. Oh Andre gosh. Johnson's there too, sort of watching the receivers do their position drills. But uh, let's start with JJ. He he started off camp on pup. Yeah. And uh, he could come off of it if he practices today. So just the fact that he's in shells is a good sign. But mm-hmm. uh, I would wait to see if he practices, and then we'll, we'll have our answer. Well, well, it's a good point. You're not off pup just because you're here in you uniform. You have to practice. Yeah. Yes. Right. So that's, if we see him key. practicing, then if we know. If he practices, then he's off pup. But they'll probably have to make that transaction, or J.J. will probably announce it himself in his press conference. <laughs> yeah, he'll <laughs> announce it. I, I predict that he's off because he's got the arm brace on. on. And that's that usually the giveaway, stuff. isn't it, yes. Johnny? Yeah, that's because he's in been in past. uniform before. Well, that's when he been, sits. That's been my formula for you know people trying to figure out training camp who's going to play, or I'm sorry, who's going to play in certain games. I figured out I got a formula when we have open locker room on Fridays. I figured out who's active and who's not. Are you going to reveal this? No, no, this is a no, secret. No, no, this, no, this is Johnny, Johnny, and I, Johnny and I have tested this week after week, and, and it he's, works. it's dead on. Oh, oh really? We oh, know the inactives before anybody else. Absolutely. On Friday, I ain't telling anybody. Really? That's my, that's my own, like, copyright. Somebody's in the corner eating knowledge. ice cream. Like, I'm, I'm inactive <laughs> okay. on Sunday. So your first one to watch, J.J. Watt. Okay, my first, and sort of mentioned mm-hmm. it a little while ago, and he's working some routes here with Deshaun as there's special teams going on, and that's Will Fuller. He's working the back of the end zone. I can't tell you, just in going back and watching games throughout the 2018 season and, and the offseason, I would go back and I'd watch the games, and I can't tell you how many times I've watched him and go, God, we missed him. I mean, just – and not just, okay, he's a nine route. Everybody knows he can run the nine route. But Tennessee found out week two last year, he ran a hitch route against Tennessee. Five-yard hitch route. Press coverage. Five, a little five-yard hitch, right, the mm-hmm. sticks. He got three yards of separation because of the route he ran. Yep. Like, how do you do that? He's become a complete receiver. So I'm excited to see uh, how much you're able to do with Will coming off the ACL. Team. I'm glad you That's brought that up because route running is – 
probably not discussed enough, the precision of route running. Andre Johnson, who we just saw here at our broadcast position, I just wanted to put him on for the rest of the show, but he's got work to do here yeah. as, a, as an assistant. He was one of the great route runners. You know, people talk about, the, talk about the physical strength and the speed and everything. He was precise at route running, and that's how you get three yards open yep. uh, running a five-yard route. I heard Cecil Shorts. He was actually on 610 a few weeks ago. So he mm-hmm. made a great point about how it's not just about running the routes, but disguising the routes and yep. making it look like you're running full speed when you're not because yeah. then you're about to break out and, and make a fast break. There's so, so many nuances to route running, and I think – as Fuller develops every single year, he's going to develop those nuances as well. I'm excited to see Andre Johnson out here watching him in camp because while he was at the Greenbrier last year, he wasn't officially part of the coaching staff, but right. now he is. See, I have the opposite. When I run full speed, it looks like I'm running <laughs> slow. So, Are you running half speed, <laughs> yeah, Mark? Yeah, is it exactly. slow motion? That's what it looks like. Definitely. You disguise things well, then, in the right. opposite direction. My first of three things to watch, I'm going to watch the offensive line. Starters in the first 11-on-11 period. Not that that's going to be who starts Monday Night Football against the Saints, but it's definitely going to show you what the coaches are thinking about. Now, Nick Martin's not dressed today, so I'm not sure who's going to fill in at center. I would assume either Mance or Fulton, and maybe that in itself is going to tell us a little something here because if it's Fulton, then maybe they're thinking about other people at guard to give them a shot first because you know what he can do. They have a lot of things to think about here. You think about those rookies. You know, they experimented with them at guard during OTAs. Maybe they want to continue that experiment. Again, they know what they have in Fulton. Let me see what these guys can do with the ones against Watt and company, whoever else is going to rush the passer in training camp. So I think that's going to be an interesting sort of chess game they play in a practice context. I'm eager to see it. Deepy. All right. Am I going number two now? Yeah, yeah. All right. Number two is actually the number three running back position, which is something that we've talked about all offseason. Lamar Miller, Deontay Foreman, but who's that number three? We saw a number of guys getting reps and OTAs in the offseason, but Karan Higdon, who we didn't really see much of this offseason. Hopefully he's out here healthy and he's doing some things. Mm -hmm. It'd be nice to see him and see who really locks up that number three position because you know the Texans are going to need some depth behind, behind Miller and Foreman. Yeah. So, in fact, I'll, I'll and Josh Ferguson was the name that Bill O'Brien referenced, right? At I'm going to build right off of that yep. with my number two, DP, so we can sort of talk about that. I actually have Demaria Crockett as my number three, but since you brought up running backs, I know people are like, wait, Demaria Crockett? I haven't even heard of that guy. He's a rookie, undrafted rookie out of Missouri. The Texans have had some success with undrafted rookies before. Some guy named Arian Foster that came out of the SEC. Well, Crockett is uh, – Maybe not at the Arian Foster level. At least we didn't. Nobody even thought Arian Foster was at the Arian Foster level when he came here. I'm curious to see what he brings because he's a bigger back. He's 220 pounds, and he just dealt with injuries at Mizzou. But his first year at Mizzou, he was a stud, and then he got injured in 2017. He never really got back to that form. I think in 2018, but I think and he declared for the draft. And I think his running backs, if you had some injuries and you do have some NFL ability, get to the league, get your clock started, and move on. But I want to see him get in the mix, and I think he's a physical runner who when pads go on, I think that's when we'll see a little bit more of Demario Crockett. But that's a guy that I'm really anxious to see is Demario Crockett to go along with your discussion of running backs. You Absolutely. know, I, I had a question because there was so much talk about Higdon, you know. And, Ron Higdon and, from Michigan. Uh, coming from Michigan, yep. and, you know, a lot of teams wanted him as a, He's you know, to sign pup. him. He's not on Pup. He's not on Pup. He wasn't really doing much this offseason. How different is he from the other guys? You, you've obviously seen He's, a lot of his college films. Yeah, absolutely. I watched, I watched a bunch of games at Michigan, and I saw him at the Senior Bowl. And you would see him amongst the players at the Senior Bowl. You're like, who's the little guy? But then you would watch him run with the football, and there's no chill. There is, I don't, you know, you think you see a guy like that, and you're like, oh, he's going to, 
you know, scat back on people. Like, no, he's going he's gonna to deliver punishment on you. He's a compact, strong guy with some quickness. He doesn't have blazing speed, and he's, and he's shorter. But I always, I always felt as a, as a defensive player, I hated short running backs. Because they were always They're hard stout. to bring down. They're hard to bring down, but but you lose them. You can't lose them. them. You can't find them. You're pursuing, and you're like, where are they? And all of a sudden, boom, they pop on you, and they're so strong that an arm isn't going to bring them down. And that was always a problem. So I'm really excited. In fact, my ultimate 11 last night, things I'm excited about, Kron Higdon was one of them. Because I want to see what he looks oh, like. Oh, cool. He made the 11? Yeah, he made the 11. Gee. I'm excited right. to see him. Here's my second one. Davin Bellamy, I want to see how he does. Because there is no clowny here. So and no Duke Edgefor this season. So you have a need there for that player to rise up. He's wearing number forty-eight. If you're a forty-eight wearing pass rusher, mm-hmm. you know you want to get a fifty number, right? I don't know. I, I you, you think you think he wants to hang on to forty-eight? You think know. if he makes the fifty-three as a regular player, he's are fifties better than forties? A think, little bit. I think you want to be in the fifties or something. I mean, when you're wearing a forties number, that means you're you're an athlete, man. I don't know. As, but I mean, as Zach, Cunningham's a, four, okay. Zach okay. Cunningham's a 41. But, that, but that's but vote that's now 40. for the linebackers, uh, <laughs> well, for, for the inside allowed, linebackers. Oh, yeah, allowed, inside versus outside. They've only allowed linebackers to wear 40s numbers in the last probably four to five years. Yep. If Von Miller went to the league right. like, out of A&M, he would have worn 40. I guarantee okay. he would have worn A&M. All right, we got to do like one word, third thing to watch because we had a break. So what's yours? Uh, cornerbacks. Is okay. Lonnie Johnson going to practice? What's the secondary going to look like? Did you I just steal Johnny's? Johnny's? Bradley Sorry, Roby Johnny. was going to be my third one. <laughs> All right, well, that's fine. And it's I'm going wa- to watch how that wide receiver depth is shaping up. Look, we've got a lot of shows here, so we're going to be able to talk about all this stuff. Landry Locker with his questions on the team, including quarterback depth and a former Texan player, how he's going to be figuring into the mix with this current team. It's Texans Training Camp Live. It's back to football, and you're back on the sideline at Training Camp with Texans Radio. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. Team is practicing. We're watching some special teams work right now, and a coaching intern, Josh Cribbs, is out here. How about that? I saw him a couple days ago, and I was like, he looks familiar, man. He looks familiar. And then I saw a report on Twitter saying, uh, Josh Cribbs had joined us as a coaching intern. I'm old enough know. to remember Joe Cribbs, okay? Yeah. B- gonna, Buffalo Bills. I'm not that old. But I remember Joe Cribbs. <laughs> but I remember <laughs> you're, you're old enough to remember Joe Cribbs. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember Joe Don't Cribbs. do that he's to a, me. He's a good running back. All right, so he's a good running back. Uh, a couple of things about practice so far. And, again, some people are not participating today, like yeah. Justin Reed, Nick Martin. But what is? Yeah. Watt's yeah. participating. He is, he's participating. What I've, I've been able to see now. I know during the season, there's certain levels of limited versus full versus not participating at all. So I don't, I don't know how that works. In My, training camp, they don't have to give that information out. No, they don't have to give that information and they out. they won't. But for, for J.J. to be practicing, he has to come off the PUP list. Right. So Maybe I, that's coming out later today. I, I would imagine that might be coming out later today if he is indeed practicing. And, and I mean, I, watched, I walked over there for just two minutes to watch. And they were working on some two two spot stuff, mm-hmm. and saw him out there doing. Also work. noteworthy, a certain offensive lineman getting reps. Yeah, uh, Matt Clill's back. I mean, we saw him walking across, yep. uh, walking over here. And we're like, oh, okay. And and look, when you, I remember Wade Smith talking about this, and, and I love talking to Wade about the offensive line because there there aren't too many people that can talk offensive line, and obviously Wade played it. But Wade made a great point when we were going through the offseason. He's like, look, you can bring in as many rookies as you want, but who's the veteran presence in, in the room 
to kind of keep a thumb on everybody. Yeah. You know, basically, who's the room's Darren Fells? Like, yeah. w- what guy is that? So you have a guy, Matt Khalil, that's, you know, been around the league. This is what is a, I think is his eighth year. You know, he's been, you know, he's been in, he's been in locker rooms. You yep. know, he's been with the Panthers. He's been with the Vikings. He's a vet that's seen a lot of different things. So that's going to be helpful. So look, whether Matt Khalil makes the team or not, we, nobody knows at this point. We've got to see how he rebounds during training camp. But the fact that he's ready to go day one at training camp, I think is a really good sign. I've got to tell you, though, even though he's not a starter, I think Greg Mance is a leader. I think oh, he's yeah. the, the type no of guy who's no a leader and, and might be able to say something to the rest of the guys if something needs to be said. And he has it, – it's interesting because he, you said he did start in 2016, but he has been a key backup. But he has – he has respect throughout that entire offensive line room. Yeah. You're absolutely dead on because Greg will do anything that you ask him to do. What do you need Greg to do? Play center? Got it. Play left guard? Got it. Play right, right guard? Got it. Right. He has respect of anybody in that, of everybody in that room. Very cool. All right, Landry Locker is going to join us now, and this has become Woo-hoo. a Texans training camp live tradition as Landry asks us questions. Good morning. Good morning, fellas. I, you're going to like this first one. Right. I don't want to oversell this, but you guys are going to like this one. This okay. is, we might only get to the first one knowing you guys. Oh, boy. Okay. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. All right, A.J. McCarron, the new backup quarterback right. for your Houston Texans. We mm-hmm. all know about Deshaun Watson. Yes. Whose college career would you rather have? Would you rather have A.J. McCarron's? who was a two-time second-team SEC guy, one-time All-American and a Heisman runner-up with two national championships? Mm. Or would you rather have Deshaun Watson, who was a two-time Heisman finalist, Davey O'Brien winner two times, won an ESPY, but only had one national championship? I got this one. This is All right, you go ahead. This, this won't take long at all. I take Deshaun Watson's career, and here's why. A.J. McCarron at Alabama was a cog in a machine. He was a cog in a machine. Deshaun Watson was the machine at Clemson. Yeah, now, transcendent player. he helped kickstart what Clemson has done, what Trevor Lawrence has done. Deshaun Watson was the guy who put all that in motion. Look, Dabo Sweeney recruited and did a great job recruiting. You could see the fruits of that with guys like DJ Reader and Albert Huggins and, and DeAndre Hopkins before him. Deshaun Watson kickstarted Clemson into a whole different gear. A.J. McCarron, a great career, mind you, a tremendous career. But he was a cog in a machine. Deshaun Watson was the dude and is the dude at Clemson. I would take that career. When Watson visited here, so many guys gathered around the table. And no one thought that the Texans were going to be able to draft him because he was going to go too high or whatever, and they wouldn't be able to do it. But he is such an electric star. And I think McCarron, look, you can't take anything away from what he did. But Watson is the kind of people, the kind of person people want to meet. Other athletes, other stars want to meet. And not even because of anything he's done in the NFL so far, which is really good, but because of what happened at Clemson. Now, I will say, A.J. McCarron had two of my favorite college football moments. One was the drive against LSU in 2012, I think it was. Yeah, 2012, at the end of the game, and he's crying on the sidelines. I mean, he was getting the the you-know-what beat out of him all game and led him on a drive through a screen pass to T.J. Yeldon. And I was in Atlanta. I was at the game, at the SEC championship game. I was covering the game. 2012, more NFL talent on the field than I've ever seen in my life with Georgia against Alabama. And he makes a throw to Amari Cooper, a deep throw down the sideline. And I screamed in the press box because Cooper stopped on the route. Cooper stops his route, and I'm like, keep running. I literally yelled, keep running. And McCarron laid one right on him. And I've never – I mean, the building it – was, it was electric. And McCarron made that throw. That said, I'd still want Deshaun's career. Okay. 
So that wasn't that wasn't as hard as I thought. I thought you guys were about winning rings, but uh, apparently not. Apparently, apparently no, more not in this case. Brian Cushing. <laughs> Brian Cushing is going to be on the Texan staff. We know he's going to be helping with strength and conditioning and whatever else they ask him to do. He's always been a fiery guy. We saw him headbutt someone uh, without a helmet with the blood yeah, rushing Sean down Lubau, his face. Yeah. Always very emotional on the sidelines as a player. What are Brian Cushing's mannerisms going to be like now that he's a coach on game days? When we look on the sidelines and we see Brian Cushing, is he going to be fiery or is he going to take on more of a calm approach? I think he's going to be calm. I think that that's... Calm? Yeah, I really do. I think it's going to be a calm Brian Cushing for the most part. Maybe something happens. Why? You're expecting like... I'm Genevieve expecting him to Clowney, wave the towel. Genevieve Clowney in street clothes against Tennessee last year, picking up a 15-yard penalty on the <laughs> sideline. Tries to take a guy out, pulls a Woody Hayes. I mean, wait till Alfred Blue gets tackled on our sideline and Brian Cushing is there because of the the love-love relationship those two had. I mean, I I think you're right to a degree, Mark. I think there are going to be moments of calm. Like today, I, I was walking out here, and I saw him coming out of the weight room. I was like, hey, Brian, what's up? He's like, hey. And usually, like, yeah, yeah, maybe yeah. just a little bit of chit like nothing. I think he is going to be so laser-focused on what he's doing. The difference is when he was on the field, he could take out some of that, like make a tackle and then shoot the arrow or do something, you know, flex or whatever. He's not going to be able to do that on the sideline. So he's got to be able to find that, you know, release of his energy. But I do think – I think there will be – there in pregame, he'll be hyped. He'll be hyped in pregame. No question in my mind. He will be hyped in pregame. But during the game, I think he'll, he'll focus in and I think he'll end up being – I think you're calm. right about pregame. You know, when they're all warming up – Oh, I yeah. could see him almost getting in the warm-ups. Oh, yeah. They're, <laughs> like no, wanting no to doubt. participate. Oh, I guarantee I'm, you. I'm setting up an inside linebacker. Here. If there are odd numbers in the tackling drill yeah. in li- for linebackers, like if they only have five guys active and you have, you know, BMAC with Zach and then Dylan Cole with one of their linebackers, you got a fifth linebacker that needs somebody to be tackled, that'll be cu- – Cushing will step in. I'll tell you what. We don't know. Obviously, we don't know what this season's going to bring, but, but – Bill O'Brien will get more good information about what the players are going through and thinking this year than any other season because you have Yates, Dent, Andre Johnson. You know, yes. you have Brian Cushing. You have guys Cushing. You have guys who are truth tellers about, hey, coach, this is not working, or th- you know, maybe you want to think about this because of that or whatever. the The player reaction to what is being coached, what is being done schedule wise, it's not just coaching. It's not X's and O's. It's how they travel, how right. they eat, when they practice, whatever. They'll get more good feedback. The coaches will than any other season in the O'Brien era, and I think that's bound to help. It's got to be some kind of plus. You guys mentioned Josh Cribbs, and when you mention Josh Cribbs, you automatically think about special teams, specifically the return game. DeAndre Carter, we saw him do a good job last year as a return man. Who are some other guys that we could see trying to compete to maybe uh, win a spot on this team as a return man? Well, I'm curious to see what Johnny Dixon does. I would think they're going to have him back for a little bit. Tyron Johnson, uh, rookie out of Oklahoma State who had previously been at LSU. I think they'll want to see what he does in the return game. And, look, Tywan Jones came here from the Buffalo Bills. He has experience in the return game as well. I'm, here's the one I'm kind of stuck on, and that's what you do with Kiki. And I said this when, when Will was younger in his career. Now I don't think you put Will back there at all. I think you got enough guys to do it. But with Kiki, if you, if you haven't been able to get him the ball, I used to say this with Will, if you're having trouble getting Will Fuller the ball, maybe put him back on a punt return because that gives him some space to do some stuff. Yeah. And, he, and he gets the ball in his hands, and maybe that kind of drives the confidence. But if Kiki's not getting the ball early, I might put Kiki back there and give him an opportunity to get the ball, get tackled, kind of get in the game a little bit. So I might think about that. But I would – I. 
I'm struggling with that to a degree. Like, if Carter doesn't come back, I loved what he did in the return game. The key is, with 46-man roster, game day roster, 53-man roster, can you take a guy that, that really is just going to be your punt returner? And, and you know, he's just our return guy. Now, some teams do it. Some teams do it. I mean, the Patriots we have for years have had guys that are just special teams guys. But I don't know if you can do that because the slot position this year is going to be tough with Kiki, Johnny Dixon's here, you got Stevie Mitchell, uh, and you've got DeAndre. And obviously DeAndre, unfortunately, is going to start behind the eight ball because he's on pup right now. So those guys are going to get reps as they did throughout all OTA. So I think it's going to be a tough decision. But I think when, when a big play needs to be made, I think I put one six back there. Could you do Higdon as a kickoff returner? A kickoff returner, yeah. I, the thing about kickoff returns now, I'm, I don't yeah, know that it's... Is it even worth it? Like, what's the value in it? The right. value to me is not what it, what it used to be. I'm telling you, though, every it's once in a while, you're going to be able to pop one. And I'm not saying for big yardage even, but if you can get to the 30, 35, yeah, I, that's I a plus. And I know that's a... That's a decision that's going to be tough. You know, are yeah. you a yard, two yards deep, three yards? When do you start to figure that, all right, we're going to bring it out here? Well, think about the Jets last year with Darrell Roberts. The guy had a ton of really good returns, and that gave Sam Darnold some great field position. Yeah. But in our game, we shut him down. Yeah. He did not get opportunities. It's a big talking point going into that yes, game. Yes, and we shut him down, and that was, that was huge for yeah. our special team. So I, I just don't think it has the value – that it that it once did. Now a punt return guy, that's that's a different story. So if I got a key punt return, I want QT back there. Listen, I'm not Brad Seeley or Bill O'Brien, but I'm kicking off to the goal line every single time. I'll take my chances on my return team because I bet the analytics say that more often than not you're gonna hold them inside the twenty five yard line and yep. I want that advantage. Although Listen, this is a top-two team in average drive-star defense yep. and offense, so they knew what they were doing last year. Right, Landry. Sure. All right, I'm intrigued by this because I've, I've been accused of being harsh at times, and I just, I just want to know if you guys think I'm being too harsh when I make this statement. You harsh? No. Leonard Fournette's. Yeah. Drafted number four overall in 2017. I know what you're going to say. Give me five on this. Is the worst draft pick in the history of the AFC South and will be one of the worst draft picks as we look back on it in recent NFL history. Well, considering what was available, yes. absolutely. That's the thing. Now, the, when they drafted Bortles in 2014, you know, who did they pass on? You know, you have to look at it like that. They needed a quarterback then. And you're thinking, I mean, obviously that turned out to be a bad pick. Most teams had Bortles as a high second-round pick. So, yeah, it was way too early to reach on a quarterback, especially when you just did it with Blaine Gabbert, and that didn't work. So, Fournette, let's see who they could have had, Johnny. What? Tell them what they missed. It's let's make a football deal, Monty. What did they miss? You're looking at number four. Yeah. Oh, they Oh, oh, the MVP last year? The MVP, too. They missed him, too? Yeah, they could have either one of those two guys. How about this? They could have traded out of it. And still, you know, maybe gotten Fournette later, or may, Fournette might have been gone anyway, but clearly not a good selection. When you draft a running back that high, I know it's working out so far with the Giants and Barkley, and, you know, obviously Elliott is a terrific back for the Dallas Cowboys, so you can't take anything away from them. But, I, you know, when you miss on a running back when you take him high, yeah. it just feels so awful. Oh, yeah. When you miss on a quarterback, yeah, granted, it's devastating, but... You know, everybody gets it. All right, it's a quarterback. You had to do it. You know, in Chicago with Trubisky, right. you know, all right, maybe you'd rather have Mahomes or, or Watson, but he's doing pretty well so far, so yeah. at least that's working out. I, I just, I agree with you, Mark. I think what you passed on is, is the key. Now, 
what Jacksonville wanted to do and how Jacksonville wanted to play, Fournette was probably the right guy for them. They wanted to bludgeon people. That was Jacksonville 2017. Think about it. They just wanted to bludgeon people. They knew what they had in Blake. But that's the whole thing. Yeah. You better have that guy at quarterback because eventually if Fournette, who's had a history of being injured, is injured, then all of a sudden your whole philosophy is out the window. Now you've got to rely on Bortles and you're back to square one. And that, that ain't going to work. Yeah. When you had Fournette with Bortles, Bortles didn't have to carry the load. It's like hand off to Fournette and bludgeon people. I just didn't think Fournette, and I said it draft night, I've said it since, I just don't think Fournette's a really good all-round running back. He's a hell of an athlete. Yeah. He's just not a great running back. Well, I, th- I just think that it's between the years, really, that well, that's if, if that was a little bit different, maybe, well, that's between, yeah, you're looking no at, problem. you know, or maybe the heart, you know, however you want to describe that. Uh, he's got plenty of ability, like you said, good enough athlete to really make some great things happen and was able to have that one really good year. Uh, yeah, it's funny because it was, it was looking like it was going to work out for them, and uh, it's not working out so well. And, I mean, if you look at the running backs to add to it, the running backs that went after him. I mean, my goodness, Joe Mixon, Dalvin Cook. Yeah. There's a lot, there's a lot yeah. of good backs that went after him. So it, I, I think it's probably the worst, but I guess we'll I mean, see. Could you, ma- could you imagine if Jacksonville goes Deshaun in the first round and top of the second, they go Dalvin. Now, they wouldn't have Cam Robinson. I think Cam Robinson is going to be very key for them. But you imagine them with Watson and Dalvin Cook? And the thing is, is they have such a Jones for Florida State guys. I was, yeah. sh- I, I, I just think th- they're, paying f- they're paying for that decision. They're, they're paying for that decision. And then and here's, here's the domino effect of that. You don't draft the quarterback there. So now you then have to pay all that money for full. So what do you do? We benefit because we take Deshaun Gibson as yeah. a cap casualty. Malik Jackson's got to go as a cap casualty. Barry Church gets cut. You know how many guys are going to be missing off that Jacksonville defense? I mean, everybody's talking about how great Jacksonville's defense is. You're missing Gibson, Church, Jackson, Telvin Smith. Those four, four starters off of a guy unit. I mean, Johnny, how many games did they win last year if if they get Lamar Jackson, where we were afraid they were going to do that, it? That too. At least two or three that more. That too, absolutely. At least two or three more. They beat so, the Steelers. Yeah. They had the Steelers on the ropes. Would have beaten the Steelers. They could have beaten the Eagles in London with a couple of plays made Jeez. by the quarterback. I mean, they're just a much more dangerous team to have to deal with. All right, so, so, Landry, your show's coming up here from the field. It is. Uh, you and Lopez, who I'm familiar with. So we, we should have a support group meeting sometime, okay? <laughs> Working with John. No, it's, it's a pleasure to work with Lopez, no question. But uh, you're going to be here. Now, during your show, there are going to be press conferences going on next door. We're in a giant tent here at the Houston Methodist Training Center, and you guys are going to move inside at some point during practice as well. Yes, we are. It's going to be a dart. I'm going to have to sprint there during the mm-hmm. break. It looks like uh, – how far is that, John? I know I know you oh, run in the morning. How far is that? That's a lot farther than you think, bro. That's 250, it, 300 yards? It's, yeah, it's maybe a little bit more than that. Really? That's, that's a good par five. It's like five. a polo field and a half. That's a good par five, Mark. Good, that's a good par five yeah. to get oh, to Teal. If really? you put it that way, yeah. So we're going to have to sprint a par five. You're going to have to hit, hit driver, right, I would say seven iron, and then your pitching wedge. Just put it down hey, the where? fairway, baby. There. Andre, where? Yeah. No, no, no. Andre would be like, driver three when I'm there. Okay? <laughs> Are you kidding? I've seen him park it. I mean, oh, 240? Okay, uh, let me get the – I'll get my rescue club. Yeah. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you yeah, know, so and, it's gonna... got, and it's got spin on it. It's like he stops it. Like, here's what? The best, here's the best thing. You're going to be running over there. Then you're going to have to get inside, and you're going to put the headphones on. You're going to Landry and Lopez. That's the worst feeling. To be on the air and you're out of breath. Oh, the yeah, worst. especially if you're alone yeah. because, you oh, can't, yeah, that's, that's no happening during game broadcast. All right, Landry, looking forward to the program very much. 
So stick around right here as we are at the Houston Methodist Training Center. Johnny and I back at 6 tonight and tomorrow morning, 8 to 10 a.m. Thank you, George, for engineering, Jonesy for producing. Have a great day, everyone. Camp is open. It's football time in Houston. Go Texans. Texans. Texans.